Hey y'all, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Get Real with Casey Kasem. It's the podcast that takes a look behind the scenes of the fantasy football industry through interviews with some of your favorites in the business. On this episode, I was thrilled to sit down with Gary Davenport. You might know Gary from Fantasy Sharks, Football Diehards, Football Guys, Bleacher Report, The Athletic, NBC Sports Edge, and like a gazillion other places. Our conversation was so fun, and we talked about the Dog Pound, the King's Classic, meeting NFL greats on Radio Row, what it's like being the godfather of IDP, the FSWA Awards, and a ton more. Please follow Gary on Twitter at IDP Sharks. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at the Casey Kasem and the podcast at Get Real underscore Pod. Get Real with Casey Kasem is a proud member of the DAP Network. Dallas area listeners, come check out the Scott Fish Bowl live draft at Community Beer Company on July 15th, 2023 from noon to 4 p.m. Drafts are already full, but the event is open to the public. There will also be a silent auction at the event, including subscriptions and draft guides from some of your favorite fantasy football websites, merch, items from local businesses, gift cards, and more. All of the proceeds from the auction will go to fantasycares.org. Hope to see you at Community Beer Company on July 15th. And now, here's my chat with Gary Davenport on Get Real with Casey Kasem. Gary, can you just tell everybody who is listening right now that may not know you what your role is in the fantasy football space? What do you do exactly? What do you concentrate on? Uh, Usually, I'm I'm best known for IDP. They call me the godfather of IDP. (laughs) At first, I hated the nickname. I've, I've come to embrace it. You know, I do a little bit of everything. I write about offense. I cover the NFL itself at Bleacher Report. You know, I do some offense there. Oh, Fantasy Sharks, Football Guys, Football Diehards, The Athletic, NBC Sports Edge. You know, I get around quite a bit. <laughs> it sounds like it. It sounds like it. And I'm sure that people that are listening are like, wow, I want to get there someday. But let's go back to where you started with just in – Growing up, did you watch sports when you were growing up? Have you been a fan of sports for a while? Or what exactly is your relationship like when it comes to sports? Huge football fan since I was a kid. Unfortunately, Cleveland Browns, because apparently I like emotional trauma. But was yeah, I mean, I've football has always been my biggest love. I mean, I, I enjoy baseball. I like basketball. Enjoy a nice hockey game. But football has always been far and away, you know, number one for me. And growing up in Columbus, Ohio, of course, you know, it's all Ohio State Buckeyes and then, you know, the Cleveland Browns. And I didn't really get into fantasy football until a little bit later. It was 2004, I think, I played in my first league. 2004. How did that – well, first let's go back to the Browns real quick. Growing up watching the Browns and being a Browns fan, did you have favorite players on the team or a favorite moment you can remember from – the time that you were watching them when you were younger? You know, a lot of times it was the defensive guys like Clay Matthews Sr. and uh, Hanford Dixon and Frank Minifield, who were the guys that invented, essentially invented the dog pound because they would bark at the opposing wide receivers as they were coming out of their back pedal. And the fans in one end zone caught on to that and they started barking at the opposing team and thus was born the dog pound. I was always kind of the defensive guy. So far as a favorite moment, you know, that's hard to pick when you're a Browns fan because most <laughs> of the moments are so bad. I mean, my first year as a Browns fan ended with Red Right 88 against the Raiders in the playoffs. And then, of course, then we had the, the drive against the Broncos in the AFC Championship game. 
Then there was the fumble against the Broncos in the AFC Championship game the year after that. You know, 1995 lost the team altogether when they moved to Baltimore. I guess my favorite moment was probably <laughs> in 95, probably about a month before the move was announced. I got to go to a live. I went to a Browns game and actually got to sit in the dog pound. Oh, and they played the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs led by Joe Montana. So I got to see Montana play. Uh, Marcus Allen was the Chiefs running back at the time. Like three plays into the game, someone jabbed him in the eye with their thumb, and he had to leave the game and couldn't play the rest of the way, which is terrible. But at the time, I you know I loved it. And the Browns just they killed Kansas City that day. Picked off Montana three times, won like twenty-seven to ten or something, and it was just. It was so awesome. The dog pound was everything I had hoped it would be and so much more because this was back in the old municipal stadium, which was a dump. I mean, it was. And the dog pound was just complete chaos. Security would not come up into the dog pound. Beer vendors (laughs) would not. No one. The fans were the only people that were brave enough to go up there. And it was just. I can remember riding up there in this van and everyone's telling me all the rules for the dog pound. They're like, okay, when everybody else stands up, you stand up. Everybody else sits down, you sit down. You don't want to be that guy that's the only guy standing up blocking somebody's view or you might get hit in the back of the head. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And it, it was madness, but it was so much fun. It just sucked that, like I said, about a month later, I hear they're moving to Baltimore. Uh, but yeah, that does sound really interesting especially because it's so iconic the the dog pound so just to hear the stories of it is is really cool the t- 2004 starting fantasy football how did you stumble across fantasy football what was the story behind starting that you know i had kind of lost my taste for football a little bit when the browns left then 1999 they come back they were terrible i mean even by brown standards those first few years were rough then in 2004 my sister's business partner had a fantasy football league and he asked me if I wanted to take part you know it was a $50 buy-in I think it was $400 to the champion and I mean I joined as much for the chance to win money as I did for the chance honestly to play fantasy football but you know I did a little research before the draft tried to get an idea of what I was doing wound up my first my first ever fantasy football pick was Ladanian Tomlinson which is a good pick for your first one then I came back in round two and got somehow landed Sean Alexander. So, I mean, I've got those two guys when they were at the height of their fantasy greatness. Then in the third round, I took Jeff Garcia, the Browns quarterback, which is where, where that's where I lost it a little bit. That's where the new, <laughs> that's where the noob in me came out, but I wound up winning that league and bringing home that 400 bucks. And by the end of that season, I was just completely hooked on fantasy football, you know, on, you researching waiver claims and, you know, setting my lineup. And then to this day, I still agonize over my lineups way too much and second guess myself and, you know, go in on Sunday morning and last minute change somebody out and which invariably blows up in my face. (laughs) But that's it. From that first league, I was hopelessly hooked. What kind of league was the first league that you joined? Like, you know, it was just, it was a pretty standard NFL.com league. Um, I don't believe it was even PPR, you know, start two running backs. I think you only had to start two wide receivers. But it was mostly, you know, the casual league. So everyone went quarterback heavy early, which is how I was able to land Tomlinson and Alexander was, you know, 
like eight of the first 10 or 11 picks were quarterback. And I kind of fell into the trap with Garcia in round three, but that was one of the first lessons I learned about fantasy football was, you know, you'll see people, you don't necessarily need to draft that quarterback early. You want to wait, you want to be patient, hit running back. So, and that's the thing. Once I got into it, I started going to fantasy football message boards and reading a ton on the subject. And it just, it became, it went from, you know, just playing for a few bucks to having some fun to complete obsession in the span of like a season. Did you start adding more and more leagues as you went? How, how did you come into playing in multiple leagues? Yeah, the second year I was probably up to two or three leagues. Then I started hanging out at the Fantasy Football Cafe and started joining, you know, that many more leagues there with people. Next thing you know, you know, two or three turns into six or seven. By year four, it's eight or ten. And now I have reached a point where I legitimately do not count how many leagues I'm in because it depresses me. Because I, mean, <laughs> I just I have a hard time saying no. People go, hey, yeah. Gary, you want to join this league with me? And I'm like, yeah, why not? I can add one more. And then at the, I'll look at my list on like my fantasy league where it has all your leagues and the things this high in them. <laughs> and I have to write down because I also I have leagues all over the place. I'm in yeah. MFL. I got a leagues at Yahoo. I got leagues at Real Time Fantasy. I've got leagues at Flea Flicker. So I have to, you know, keep a little notebook and make sure I jot down all my league names so that I don't forget to run my waiver claims and set my lineups every week. Yeah, I, f I find that to be the hardest part of being in so many leagues is keeping track of what platform and yeah, exactly. Setting your lineups and everything. But with IDP, that's a whole different ball game. When did you find out about IDP and how did you get hooked into that? You know, I got into that at the cafe. I got turned on to it by some people. I'd say my first IDP league was probably maybe 2007. And I've always been a fan. I've always been kind of a D first defense first fan, you know, everyone, you know, plenty of people get into running backs and wide receivers and that's fine. That's great. I was always the kid that, like I said, my favorite Browns players were Clay Matthews senior, who was a linebacker and Hanford Dixon and Frank Minifield who were cornerbacks. I just, I loved watching and granted some of the hits that I used to cheer and we found out later that those are bad and you really shouldn't do that to people. But at the time it was just fantastic. I just, I love the physicality of football, the, you know, the violence. I mean, I might as well be honest about it. I, I just, I, it's one of the things that makes football so great is watching those guys butt heads and watching a linebacker, you know, watching a guy like Patrick Willis close in the blink of an eye and just slam into somebody. I, that was always my thing. So once I found out there were fantasy football leagues, where they had defensive players too, instead of just team defenses, I immediately went to check that out. And then again, I was just hooked into another format. I was double hooked. I hooks everywhere. Hooks everywhere. So for somebody that's never played IDP and they're not really sure what it's all about and how to go about playing it, what would be like a piece of advice that you'd give for somebody that's first starting playing IDP? It's really not that I, people make it out to be more complicated than it is. It's just, it's just, it, it's just like standard fantasy football. There's just defensive players and like running backs and wide receivers get points for yards and touchdowns. Your defensive players are going to get points for tackles and sacks and interceptions and fumbles forced and fumbles recovered and stuff like that. The, 
first piece of advice I would probably give folks is linebacker is the position where you're going to make your money. And that's, you know, as the way running backs used to be just the unquestioned kings of fantasy football, which has changed in recent years, linebackers are still the absolute must. You will go as far in IDT leagues as your linebackers will take you. Good advice. Good advice. I've played in an IDP league one time, and I know a lot of people who are like wanting to test the waters, but haven't yet. So that's good advice for you, you to give somebody, especially people who go into it thinking that it's going to be like this monster that they're not going to be able to understand because there's so many more players that you have to know about and everything. So I'm sure you do a ton of research, like you were saying already that you, when you first started, you did a ton of research to uh, have to, or to put out content when you're going into it and you have all of this information, like how do you make it so that the information you're putting out to others is clear, concise, that anyone can understand it. Right. So how, how do you, what is your thought process when putting your work out for others to take in? You know, especially with my IDP content, my goal has always been to kind of cast the widest possible net. There are IDP folks out there, IDP analysts, who do great, I mean, super detailed into the weeds, well, you know, deep statistical dives and analysis of, you know, missed tackle percentage on third down. And, and I mean, they get into it and it's fantastic. And I greatly enjoy reading stuff like that and I get value from it. But like you said, for people who are just getting into IDP, I think if you hit them with too much information, it can be a little overwhelming. And it can even turn some people off to the format. So while I do some material like that, some deeper stuff, I tend to a lot of times, you know, just kind of stick to the meat. You know, these are the guys that you're going to want to look out on the waiver wire this week. These are the guys you're going to want to start. And this is why. These are the guys you're going to want to sit. And this is why. Because it's always been my, one of my primary goals has always been to try to grow IDP. And I think, think the easiest way to do that is to cast that widest possible net. The nice thing about creating content is I don't really have to research for the leagues that I play in anymore because it's my job. So by the time I get, you know, 12 articles written in a week, I'm already pretty up to date on everything that's going on. So one kind of takes care of the other. 12 articles written in a week. That's crazy. Oh, I probably <laughs> do more than that. I, don't, I honestly don't know. In season, I work, I'm going to guess 90, 95 hours a week. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of, a lot of time, but how did you first get started putting content out? Because I know it's not something that just happens. What was the like story behind getting your content out and deciding to do that? I've always loved writing. I mean, I've been, I've been, uh, you, uh, writing just comes naturally to me and has since I was a little kid. So after a few years of playing fantasy football, again, I was at the fantasy football cafe. I started writing, you know, just a little bit here, a little bit there, posted a lot in the forums and that kind of turned into, well, you know, maybe I'll write an article or two. And then I met someone at the cafe who I'm sure the fantasy community is pretty familiar with Scott Fish. Mm-hmm. And we were both doing a little bit of content for the site, for the cafe. And Scott came to me and he said, you know, hey, if we're going to, you know, do content and we weren't getting paid for it, if we're going to do content and we're not going to make any money doing it, why don't we just do our own thing? 
and that's how fantasy football oasis started mm-hmm. and from there you know I, I just felt started cranking out essentially as much content as i could because you know if we're gonna have a site we've got to have something on the site so i just started wailing out articles as quickly as i could and that's how i got noticed really noticed in the industry was the oasis and i miss it i miss i don't talk to fish as much as i used to we used to i mean we would daily and this shows how long ago it was on g chat we would probably (laughs) spend like two two and a half hours brainstorming you know, what articles do we want to do this week? What are we going to do for advertisers? Because we had no idea what we were doing. And uh, it was just, it was such a great time. And Fish is such a great person. So I miss miss the Oasis. I miss the Oasis days with some of the old timers. That's one of the great things about the Expos. I get to see some of those people every year now. So I enjoy that. And then from there, like I said, I got noticed. And things just right about 2010, things really got going. And that was a good time to get going in fantasy football. I know that that's around the time that I started playing and around the time that I know a lot of people did. And I was doing my research, reading and listening to the podcast and trying to take in all the information that all of you guys are giving. And you brought up FF Oasis, which some people, um, there's a lot of people in this space that may not know anything about ff oasis but i mean if you're in the scott fishbowl for instance like the roots go back to when you guys started with ff oasis and everything and to be able to find people like scott who have the same kind of mindset that you do and and enjoy fantasy football when you find people in this space that are in the same headspace as you how how do how do you feel seeing so many people like that you brought up the expo and everything but how do you feel seeing this community be as big as it is oh it's fantastic i love it and i've said for years my favorite thing about the fantasy football community and about being a fantasy analyst and being to be able to be part of this is the people and there are so many there's no chance that i would be where i am today and be able to do this full time as you know, not just a, a hobby, but also as a career without, I've had so much help from people like Scott Fish and Emil Cadillac and Bob Harris at Football Diehards and Tony Holm at Fantasy Sharks. And, you know, I started podcasting with Greg Kellogg a million years ago. And it's, there was just so many people and everyone is well, just about everyone is willing to help one another. And it's one of my favorite things about the community. And it's also, I feel like I have a responsibility to the community now that I've made a little progress and made a little headway and had a little success to kind of pay it forward, to do the same thing for up and coming people. So I'm always that person that if someone reaches out to me and asks for a little bit of advice or some tips on, you know, where to go from here, or what do you think of this content that I wrote? Could you take a look at it? I'm always glad to do that because that's how we get better as a community is just to add to it, to get more great people, more great analysts. And I'm so glad that this community, I mean, we are, we're competing with one another in effect, in a sense, you know, right. we're competing for readers, we're competing for clicks, but 99% of us don't really treat it that way. We're collaborative. We look, we behave like a family, like a group of friends, mm-hmm. instead of like a bunch of opponents who are always trying to one up or go at one another. 
Yes, exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. It's it's such a an interesting community too, because I never in a million years would have thought that so many people that have the same interests would all be able to get together in one spot and kind of like I don't know, the internet kind of just brought us all together. But it's really cool to see and and putting out content and people that are coming out now that are kind of new to the space. Do you have advice for people that are just starting? Like what was something that maybe you wish you would have known when you first started out putting content out or something like that? I think I wish when I first started putting content out that the expo was a thing because that is <laughs> if you can make it to Canton, Ohio in August, you should absolutely, cause you cannot, there is no better networking opportunity than to go to the expo because everyone, all those people that you're hoping will pay you to create fantasy football content. They're all going to be in Canton in August hanging mm-hmm. out. So you could, but I don't just embrace the grind. You know, don't be afraid to write a lot. Yeah. Know that you're going to get better. I mean, know that, that you're going to look back. Like I look back on articles that I wrote four or five years ago and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I wrote that. <laughs> but that's how you get better is to do more content. Don't be shy about reaching out to sites either. I mean, whether they say they're hiring or not, I know we'll every now and again, you'll see a, Thing on Twitter that so and so is hiring writers, whether they're hiring or not, don't be afraid to reach out. I I know I've contacted at every site in the fantasy football industry <laughs> looking for work at one time or another, and I was probably told no by most of them at one time or another. But you know, some of those sites two three years later circled back around, and I wound up doing some work for them. So yeah, market yourself, embrace the grind. And just the best way to get better at creating content is to create more content. I mean, look at what you did once you did it. You know, look at, ask yourself, what did I do right with this piece of content? And what can I do better? You know, what part of it? Try to look at it as the reader, and which it can be difficult to do when you wrote it. So kind of look at it and think to yourself, okay, I'm someone reading this article as opposed to the person that wrote it. What parts of it make the most sense? What parts of it, you know, did I could I have worded better? You know, what information could I have included that I didn't? And don't be afraid to entertain, too. I mean, I know that fantasy is kind of an information-based industry, and you want to give people, you know, the people to start, the people to sit, the waiver wire, and this guy's great, and this guy's bad. But if it reads like the instructions to put together a bookcase, you're not going to engage readers. So, you know, don't be afraid to tell a couple jokes. Don't be afraid to get personal. Don't be afraid to you know, wander off the beaten path a little bit. I, Lord knows I do enough in articles. <laughs> I've made so many obscure pop culture references in the last 15 years. And some of them I know I'll, I'll just go over people's heads because it's things that happened in 1984 and all I'm doing is dating myself. But uh, I enjoy them anyway. I laugh. So that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> 1984, 1984. That was a good year, 1984, because that's when I was born. But, you know, anyway, <laughs> so putting out content you've been uh an award winner you've won two awards with fswa is that correct for writer of the year three yeah three two times writer of the year two times. the writer of the year twice 2017 to 2019 and in 2015 i won print article of the year which that doesn't even award anymore and more, <laughs> they they took print there used to be a print article of the year and web article of the year and they just put those together mm-hmm. and now it's just called article of the year well, that's really cool, though. I know that when I got, I was a finalist, and then you reached out to me after the awards were given out and everything, 
And that was really cool to have you reach out and be and tell me your stories with putting out content and and awards and everything like that. And and seeing yourself grow is pretty awesome. And to be a person in my position to be like, you know, with hard work and determination, like seeing what you did, it's like kind of. I don't know. It just it, it 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 like you said with the community, like building each other up. It just makes you. It made me feel a lot better having you reach out to me. So, um, you know, thank you for that. Oh no problem. It, just to be a finalist is a huge honor because you know you were talking about. I don't know how many submissions they get every year, but it's a lot. I have yeah, no sure. doubt. And to you know be whittled down to one of those last five or six, it's a huge honor. And I remember the first time I was a finalist. It would and how great I felt about it. And this was back when they still had the uh, FSTA still had their winter convention every year in Vegas. So Tony Holm flew me up to Vegas so that I could go to, I couldn't go to the convention because the tickets for that are a little spendy. Yeah. But if you're a finalist, you can attend the awards dinner. And it was Chris Dolman, the hall of fame defensive end was there. So I'm freaking out talking to him (laughs) and got a picture with him. And I got to meet, you know, that was the first time I met Emil Cadillac. Uh, the first time I met David Dodds, a football guy, I still have a picture on my desk of me and David and Matthew Barry. And I lost that night. I did not win that first time. Mike Clay beat me. And the, later that night, we're at the bar because, you know, it's Vegas. And I'm sitting with uh, Ross Miles from Pro Football Focus and Jeff Ratcliffe, who was with PFF at the time, and Jim McCormick at ESPN. And uh, Clay walks into that same bar that we were sitting in, and uh, I think it was the Bellagio. And I yell like Star Trek Two, where William Shatner yells "Con!" I yelled across the bar at Clay like that, and we still to this day joke about that. I still give Clay <laughs> to this day. I still give him grief for beating me because I don't think it was fair. I think voting was rigged. Something was wrong because I I was I was destined to win that first time, and yet I did not. You hear that, Pat Mayo? exactly you know what after that that first year i was a finalist and lost the next year i was finalist for print article of the year and got my first award so next year it's coming it's coming for you it's coming for you you know i'll I'll try how about that but it's it's really cool to see that your work is being appreciated. I know it feels good to have your work be appreciated, especially with the 90 hours you put in a week or whatever to, to write everything. How do you balance writing and then having, you know, your life outside of fantasy football? Well, during football season, <laughs> I don't have a life outside of fantasy football, honestly. Yeah. I And, you know, this time of year even, because it's magazine season, so I'm working really hard. I'm really lucky. I mean, my better half is completely understanding about the number of hours I have to work. And I try to set a little bit of time before, you know, what little bit I can, even during a 90 hour week, I try to set an evening aside where I can make dinner and sit down and have dinner with my better half, my stepdaughter. But they're just, they're a fantastic support system for me because they get it. They know that it takes a lot of work for me to have gotten where I am. And it takes a lot of work to stay there and to make a decent living doing so so that's a lot of it is just having great people around me you know whether it's inside the industry or outside that motivate me and encourage me and that motivation helps too i i my brothers are a big source of motivation for me as well but i lost we lost philip in 2010 and then charles passed away in 2022 and i just i have this need to make them proud of me to impress them 
to be not only the writer but the man that they kind of they thought I was because they I know they looked up to me so that that drives me a lot as well yeah and 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 it is good to have that connection with with your brothers and and to kind of live through the goal of of um, you know putting out good content to make them feel you know it, it, it like you described it it's hard for me to describe it because but I get what you're saying about the connection and 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 to be the the best you can be for them and 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 it's really good to have that that family that connection like you said your better half being there supportive and everything and I know that that's hard for some people was to find that balance so it's nice to hear you say that you set aside some time and it's it's just a, it's really how does your better half uh, how does she feel about this uh, content creation world that you're in this fantasy football world that you're immersed in. She's I'm impressed that I make it. I, I know she envies because she's been working remotely now since the pandemic. So she envies both that I've been able to work from home for the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years. <laughs> and I think it impresses her that I've been able to self-motivate for as long because we've known one another. We were actually uh, high school sweethearts. Then we got married at 18. Mm-hmm. We got divorced at 18. And I didn't speak to her for 25 years. I'm not a peep, not anything. And then she actually found me on social media, on Facebook, because of, because the only real reason I was on Facebook was to post them. Back then was to post links to my work. Right. So she found me on Facebook. We reconnected. And now we've been back together for, I want to say, about seven and a half years. So, I mean, fantasy football is actually the reason <laughs> that I'm back together with her, which is wild. But I, I don't know that she, I mean, I don't understand what she does either. So I, it's, <laughs> I don't know that she really understands what I do. But she's yeah. a uh, accountant slash computer programmer for the electric company she's got degrees both in computer programming and in accounting okay so like she helps to rewrite the accounting software that they use to track everything from you know who's paid their bill and who hasn't to how many kilowatt hours some nuclear power plants using or i don't know it's all very it just when she talks about her work it just all kind of sails past my head all I hear is a whizzing noise and I just like <laughs> nod. And if it sounds like she's complaining about something, I say, well, that's not right. And if it sounds like she's happy about something, I say, well, that's cool. But, yes. That's, I mean, and that's the best way to stay out of trolls. <laughs> exactly. Happy go. wife, happy wife, happy, happy life. life. Yeah. And I'm sure oh, some of the stuff you say about fantasy football just goes right over her head too. So she's tried to get into it a little bit and she's a football fan so yeah i mean she understands the game and everything but mm-hmm. yeah the minutia of fantasy football and the idea of me being in 20 something leagues i think she i think she thinks that might be a tad excessive so <laughs> i just tell her i just tell her it's for work babe. i've got to be work. in all these leagues because a lot of them are industry leagues i'm in yeah. with you know a bunch of other people from around the industry so you know i'm, I'm networking i mm-hmm. have to it's not that i want to it's that i have to so yeah, with with industry leagues, are you in any uh, leagues with people that aren't in, in in the industry? Do you have any leagues like a home league or like a league that you've been in or that first league you were in? I don't know if you're still in that league, but uh, is it all the same type Not of that one? I'm in a few <laughs> leagues. I'm in a few leagues that are you know part industry people and then part um, 
you know, fans, people that have been reading my work. I, there are some mm -hmm. leagues that I've been in with folks who have been reading my work or listening to the podcast for 10 years plus or still. So I have some leagues that are mixed like that. I have some that I've been invited to join by listeners and readers that I jumped into where it's just, you know, I'm really the only content creator in there and it's but just a bunch of regular folk, but I enjoy all leagues. Yeah. I, you know, I, it doesn't just have to be industry people. I don't really have enough friends and family yeah. around to get 12 people in a yep. league. That's the because, struggle. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it with the, the working as much as I do. I mean, I don't get to spend a whole lot of time with, and most of my family's in Arizona now, so. Do people that are in leagues with you, do they use your work against you? Like they know that you like certain. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just. I mean, because I'm never, I'm never shy about, even if a, someone's in a league with me, if they'll shoot me. Because a lot of these people have had, there are a million people have my email address. You can tell when I look at my mailbox every day. <laughs> if one of them emails me asking me a question, like, you know, who's the, the hot waiver wire pickup this week? Even if I'm in a league with them, I'm going to tell them. I mean, I, I I take my job as an analyst a lot more seriously than I do trying to win leagues. Not that I'm not trying to win. I'm very competitive. I do not mm -hmm. like to lose. But I'm not going to tell someone, no, 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 state secret. I can't let you know that. <laughs> I wish I could do decent in the Scott Fishbowl for once. For once. In 13 years, I wish I could have a decent team. Last Every year. I should tweet as a public service to the fantasy football community Every player I draft, I should put their name on Twitter so that everyone else knows, do not draft that guy. Because <laughs> I draft him in Scott Fishbowl, he's dead. His legs are going to fall off. He's going to get hit by a bus. He's going to get arrested for murdering 37 people. Something horrible. is gonna, <laughs> And last year was bad, even by Scott Fishbowl standards for me. It was a disaster. I think I may have won two games last year. It was just it was sad. I felt <laughs> bad. I'm like, I'm supposed to be a professional at this, and I'm terrible in that league, and I don't know why. I've tried everything. I've mixed yeah. up my strategy. I've mixed up my draft slot. I I picked my slot in my division yesterday, and I'm looking at it like, it don't matter. I'm It's yeah. going to be a disaster. Anyway. <laughs> and so at this point, I just embrace the suck. There's really nothing else for me to do. Hey, I, I haven't done well in Scott Fishbowl either. So I, I try different things and nothing seems to stick. So, but I do know you from the Scott Fishbowl because I was in uh, one of the years with you. Have you been in Scott Fishbowl since the beginning of Scott Fishbowl? Or, yes. Or, yes. So yes. how I'm has it, how have you seen it evolve since it first started? Because I know, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've been in, this will be my ninth. So I haven't been in as many as you, but it is crazy to see how it's evolved. So, uh, for people who weren't around from the beginning, how have you seen it change? Well, when it started, it was a fantasy football oasis invitational, and it was 12 teams. It was 12, it was just a league. <laughs> it was just 12 of us. And, you know, then it turned into 24 or 36. And I don't even know how many teams are in it now. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's great to see how much it's grown. It's great to see all the fantastic work that Scott has done with fantasy cares and all the people he has helped. And he absolutely deserves all the accolades and man of the year awards and stuff that he's gotten. Scott is a fantastic, I mean, all the, that public persona that you see of Scott where everyone says, what a fantastic guy. He is that guy. He might actually be better than that guy. He makes me feel completely inadequate 
as a human being when I try to compare myself to him. But it, it's just, it blows my mind. Because when we started Fantasy Football Oasis, neither one of us looked at this like, okay, we want to do this for a living. This right. is going to be our career. We just wanted somewhere where we could go where we could do the content we wanted to do, when we wanted to do it, how we wanted to do it. And we figured if we broke even that, you know, we were doing something right. And, you know, maybe we could make a couple extra bucks, you know, make 25 bucks here and there. Neither one of us, we were talking about it last year in Canton, just how mind blown we both are by the fact that we are where we are today, as opposed to where we were. I think it was 2009 was the first year for Oasis. Yeah, it's it's just been mind blowing to see how it's grown and the charity aspect of it is just amazing. That's just you know the podathon, all the merch that you know the Abby. Oh, it's all anybody. I mean, you look at Twitter from yesterday when the announcements go out. Everyone's posting there. I got invited. I got invited. <laughs> yep. And everyone's already talking strategy, and there will be strategy articles galore on every fantasy football website you can think of about how to be successful in the Scott Fishbowl. And once the drafts start, everyone will be, you know, this is my team five rounds in. And it's become an obsession. You know, one of the biggest fantasy leagues, probably the biggest, like, non-high stakes league mm -hmm. in fantasy football. And Fish did that, and I'm just it, I, I, I'm proud of him. I am. I love yeah. Scott and I are like brothers. You know, we've known one another now over 15 years. And I couldn't be prouder of not just the Scott Fishbowl, but like I said, all the great work he's done with fantasy kids. I don't know how much money he's raised for kids, but I know it's a lot. And he's just, he's an awesome guy. I would not be where I am today were it not for Scott Fish. And I know that. Yeah. Man, Scott Fish is going to, everybody brings him up on this podcast. This is not a Scott Fishbowl. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, it, it's probably one of the things I always say, like, if you want people to listen to your podcast or read your stuff, if you put anything about Scott Fishbowl in there, that's like an automatic hook. Like people are, will flock to anything about Scott Fishbowl because we love it so much. It's just, and you brought up the expo too, which is another really cool event that brings people together and, and being a part of that and getting to experience it and go there. What is your, what was your, takeaway from going to the expo i guess what did you learn what did you how was it what, what was the experience like and how has it been being that, there that's another one that's grown i mean just exponentially just in a few years it's been going on because i've been part of the it started out as the king classic which mm -hmm. bob lung who i've known bob for uh i don't know over a decade decided to create a league where we would draft at the pro football hall of fame so i was lucky enough that Tony Holm asked me if I wanted to represent fantasy sharks there. I mean, if only because I live in Columbus, I'm only a couple hours away. Mm -hmm. I said, sure. So we go up there the first couple of years for the King classic. I, you know, I'm sitting in the pro football hall of fame doing a fantasy football draft. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Then, you know, he's decided he was going to do, I think the first one year it was called the Midwest fantasy football expo. And there were, you know, there were several booths and stuff, but there were maybe 7,500 people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it rather sparsely attended it was at the uh the canton convention center i believe and then you look at you compare that which i think that was 2019 and of course 2020 the pandemic ruined everything <laughs> and then you fast forward to 2021 and i'm looking at all the people that year and i'm like there's a lot more people here than there were two years ago Bob. <laughs> 
And then last year it was just that much bigger. And, you know, we're talking about 1500 people and there's the party at Benson stadium at the hall of fame on Saturday night. And, you know, you got guys out there playing flag football and cornhole and just everyone from the industry just about is there and everyone's just hanging out and talking shop and, you know, it's not just industry people either, of course. Right. They're just fantasy football enthusiasts. All are welcome to mm-hmm. come to Canton. And it's just, I look forward to that weekend. I've been looking forward to the 2023 Expo pretty much from the time I started driving home from the 2022 <laughs> Expo. And yep. I'm even, I'm going to stay an extra day this year. I mean, the last couple of years, because I'm only a couple hours down the road in Columbus, mm-hmm. pretty much as soon as the Expo would end on Sunday, I'd go ahead and hop in my car and come home. Right. This year, I'm going to go ahead. I'm come driving up Friday morning. I'm hoping I'll get there about noon Friday. And I'm going to go ahead and stay until Monday morning and then drive home. Because I'm not going to lie, I want an extra evening to hang out with all these people that I'm friends yeah. with. And, you know, some I've known for years. Others I've just met and got to know over the last few years at the Expo. And, you know, I keep hearing about Fantasy Football Expo Karaoke. Yeah, I, I know, right? That out. Yeah, I got to <laughs> stay the extra night just for that. Again, it's a networking thing. Yeah. I have to. It's for work, babe. I don't. It's, <laughs> the better half, actually, she came up with me for, I think it was 2019, for the King's Classic and the first Expo. And she didn't hate it. But, I mean, there weren't a ton of people at the Expo. And sitting there for six hours at the Hall of Fame while I'm drafting a fantasy mm-hmm. football team, I'm sure wasn't the most fun in the world for her. So this year, she says it's because she doesn't want to have to board the animals because we've got two dogs and two cats. Yeah. She says it's because she doesn't want to, you know, have to board them for a few days. But I'm pretty sure that she enjoys a weekend of peace and quiet as much as I enjoy driving <laughs> to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to, I want to stay an extra day. Cause yeah, you brought up the karaoke and I know that I've had people on here talking about it and I always get kind of jealous about it. Cause I'm like, Oh, we always leave like Sunday. You know, so <laughs> if I can convince my wife to stay till Monday morning, maybe I'll be able to do that. But I might need your help. <laughs> hey, actually, I know that I um, know. I don't know if it's actually going to happen. But Bob Lung mentioned, you know, rather, I don't know what bar everyone goes to for this Sunday karaoke thing. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. never been to it. Right. But Bob mentioned, and I don't know if he looked into it, just renting, you know, getting like a karaoke guy to come out yeah. and taking over the bar there, uh, as we do every year. Yeah. Taking over the bar at the Doubletree <laughs> and, and you know, just doing it there Sunday night. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I know yeah. you mentioned. I, I feel bad for those poor people at that Doubletree bar. <laughs> Pretty much from oh, Thursday man. afternoon, Thursday afternoon through Sunday at closing, they don't get to take a break. Nope. <laughs> I hope I hope everybody tips well because yes, those please those do. servers they are working. They yeah, it, it it's crazy to see how packed it gets down there and how long you have to wait for a drink just because there's so many people that are there. It's it's crazy. They're gonna have to like they're they're gonna know that that weekend they have to like super staff super well, this, year, <laughs> I, this year the expo itself isn't going to be at the double tree it's right. going to be at the new the hall of fame village or whatever it's because the thing that wasn't quite done last yes. year because i know bob wanted to have part of it there last year mm-hmm. so th- that's going to be really neat to see you know how it changes this year and how many more people and it's i love it oh my sunday my godfather of idp outfit for sunday this year I went completely over the top. 
I mean, people think the fedora and the wingtips and stuff that I wore last year was something. That's nothing. <laughs> that was the tip of the iceberg. I went whole hog this year. I'm, I, I love a good gag, and I've never been afraid to make a fool out of myself. So I will be well-dressed on Sunday. I don't know how comfortable I'll be, but I'll be well-dressed. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so we look forward to that. I, I know that I do, so <laughs> I can't wait. Um, yeah, you brought up the King's Classic, too, which is uh, something that is a big staple in the fantasy football world and something that I've been following for a while. But for people that don't know what the King's Classic is, what exactly is it? And what do you, what is your role participation? How do you, how do you, what exactly is the King's Classic for those people that don't know? It started out as two fairly standard 12 team leagues. There's the Jim Brown division and the George Blanda division, which Jim Brown's the top division and Blanda's underneath. I was in Blanda. So, you know, like the top two, like the top two managers in Blanda or the top one would move up to Brown and the lowest team in Brown would get relegated down to Blanda. Pretty standard, one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end, three flex spots, which once the second year it jumped up to 14 teams. So when you got 14 teams in those three flex spots, it gets a little hairy toward the end of the draft when you're trying to figure out who you're going to put in that last flex spot. This year it's expanding even more in addition to the Brown and the Blanda divisions, which I was in Blanda. There will be the Dick Buckus division, which is the King's Classic IDP League, which I'll be, I'm the commissioner of, and I'll be kind of running the draft there, which we're, the regular King Classic, there are two drafts. You do a snake and an auction. The Buckus division, I'm only, we're only going to do a snake because if we tried to, because it's 34 <laughs> rounds, just a snake is 34 rounds. So if we tried to do a 34 round auction draft, oh, wow. we'd, we, yeah, we'd be there in December. We'd be yeah. celebrating Christmas. <laughs> That's what and then there's also going to be a Queens Classic League yep. this year, which I don't know a ton of the details of, but I'm very glad to see that that's there. So, I mean, we've gone there just with the King Classic, two leagues to four, and I hope that expands more. You know, I would love to see more, you know, not analysts, but just people who are there for the expo, more fans mm -hmm. be able to participate in something like that, which I know they have the, what do they call it, Fantasy Night Out, and there's a ton of drafts mm -hmm. there. So just include more the more drafts there are the more inclusion there is the more fun people get to have whether you want to play poker at drew davenport's poker tournament or you know cornhole at the cornhole thing or flag i'm not doing flag football i'm way too i'll kill myself <laughs> i'm the wrong side of 50 and my flag football days are behind me but just it's great that, that there are so many activities i mean there's stuff to keep you busy the whole time and then of course sunday there's the expo and the panels and after that, everyone will hang out Sunday evening. So it's just, it's a great weekend. It's awesome to see how it has exploded. And, you know, Bob Lung deserves a ton of credit because yep. he took this, it took this little idea and it has turned into this, much like Fishbowl, has turned into this great big brouhaha. And, and it's awesome. Live drafts are so much fun. Uh, I know that most people would say that uh, some people haven't ever participated in a live draft, being around other people and getting to like put stickers on the board, do all that fun stuff. Uh, how do you feel about live drafts? Oh, I love them. I mean, they can be nerve wracking, especially like the King's <laughs> Classic. It, when you're competing against the people as good as the ones that are in King's Classic, you just, there's no, there's not going to be a value. There's not going to be a guy that slides around farther than he should that you're able to 
scoop him up and you're like, yeah. No, instead you get sniped 35 times every <laughs> round. You know, you've got a list of three guys and there's two people in front of you. You know, they're going to take the two you want. You're going to wind up with that third guy and you just have to live with it. But it's it's so much. It's great to be able to sit there with the people and you can talk junk to one another about the picks. Like, oh, how dare you snipe me, you blankety blank. And it's just, it's a great time. Like you said, the stickers on the board. And we're not going to be able to have a board like that for the Buckus division because I don't know if they make a 34-round <laughs> draft board Ooh. with IDP stickers. I <laughs> don't think that exists. But we'll, we'll have to wing it otherwise. But it's going to be, you know, and it'll be great to sit there with 13 other because we're going to go 14 teams in Buckus too with 13 other IDP guys. And I've never done a live IDP draft with everyone in the same room before. So that's going to be a first even for me. And I'm, I'm still, I'm going to have to figure out a way, whether it's a cattle prod or something to keep people moving. Cause there's yes. no timer <laughs> in the Kings classic drafts. There's no official timer on the mm. draft, but 34 rounds, 14 teams, we are going to have to keep moving or we're never leaving. We're, right. We're, we're going guys to grow old. And, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we'll grow old and die in those chairs. Yes. So uh, I hopefully we'll be able to do that. But I look again. I look forward to the drafts on Saturday. You know, I look forward to the festive festivities on Friday. I just I look forward to the whole weekend. It's one of the high points of my year. I've made new friends there. I hope to make more new friends this year. I love that more people. You know, every time I hear that someone's coming, that they're like, "Oh, this is going to be my first expo." I'm like, "All right, you, yeah. you'll love it." It, it's a fantastic and it's not now granted if you live clear across the country it's going to cost you a little bit to travel but once you're actually there in canton it's not that expensive a weekend i mean accommodations aren't terrible it doesn't cost a fortune to get into the expo so i mean if you're in fantasy football and you got a free weekend in august not to keep hyping it but you ought to come out to canton check it out hang out it's definitely get some fantasy get some fantasy advice and yeah a couple of hangovers a couple allegedly. Of allegedly. <laughs> allegedly allegedly yeah well we don't know anything about that i don't know networking <laughs> though is very important to the fantasy football content creating community if you will and like you said the expo is a great place to meet people and to make friends and all of that and for you know i like this podcast because it's good at giving advice to people that are first starting out in the industry so for people that want to start networking they're kind of they don't want to come off a certain way and they're kind of scared or whatever because i know when i first started reaching out to people was like whoa what kind of advice do you have for people when it comes to networking and things like that don't be shy there's really nothing to be afraid of 95 i'm not going to say that everyone in the fantasy football community that 100 of the people are welcoming awesome lovely wonderful human beings because that would be inaccurate. But 97% of the people in the fantasy football community are welcoming, wonderful, lovable human beings who will be glad to hear you out, will be glad to take a look at your work. You know, <clears throat> don't be afraid to send people an exam. If you're looking to create written content, don't be afraid to send a sample article to people. You know, don't be able to, don't be afraid to come to Canton with a duffel bag full of cheap little USB drives with a sample of a podcast you've done on it and give to people and say, here, I'd love for you to check out my work and tell me what you think of it. Because most of us will. I mean, again, we all started at sometimes started out at the beginning. And most of the folks who have turned it into a full-time career 
do feel some kind of a responsibility to the people who are trying to get there or trying to start out in the industry to, you know, offer what advice we can and offer what guidance we can and try to give folks a little bit of a leg up because somebody did it for all of us. I, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for Scott Fish and Emil Catalyst and Bob Harris and all those guys. So if I can do that for someone else who's just starting out, then that it's not just, not only does it make me feel good, not only do I want to do it because I hope that I'm a decent person, yeah. but I, again, I feel a kind of responsibility to do it. But do not be shy about reaching out if you're looking to work for an outfit, whether, like I said, whether they're hiring or not, send them an email. The worst they can do is send you back an email and say, you, you know, thank you for your interest. We're not looking to hire right now, so on and so forth. You're not out anything. The worst anyone can tell you is no. Right. The best someone can tell you is, well, you know, you can get a conversation started. And also right. don't ever turn down, even if a job doesn't sound great, doesn't sound like something you're totally interested in, and you're probably not going to do it. I have never said no to a conversation with a provider about at least hearing them out about something. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to do it. And there've been many times that I've heard them out and said, you know, I'm going to go ahead and pass, but always be willing to have that conversation because you never know, you know, whether you knock at the door or someone opens it for you, you never know when that opportunity is going to come along and you don't want to miss it because you never know which one's going to be the opportunity, the one that kicks the door in and kind of gets you established in the industry. And, you know, the next thing you know, you're nominated for an FSWA award or you're making some decent money or you're considering, you know, can I really do this as a career? So just be patient, be persistent and be polite, be nice. Perfect. <laughs> I know that you've talked about a lot of the awesome experiences that you've had putting out fantasy content. Is there anything that you can think of that you haven't talked about that has been something that just like blew your mind? That was like something that happened because of fantasy football that you never in a million years could have thought would have happened. I got to go to radio row for uh super bowl 49 oh. because I was doing a uh, serious spot with Bob Harris and Mike Dempsey on football diaries. So I got media credentials. I got to wander around radio row. I met, I don't know how many players, you know, Troy Aikman, Barry Sanders, Justin Tuck, NFL greats. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying for my jaw. You know, I'm trying to be professional as I'm walking around a total fanboy with all these <laughs> the greatest players that ever lived walking around. Mm -hmm. Had Jim Brown been there, may he rest in peace, pass away on Saturday. I, I would have lost it because Jim Brown, I, I would went total fanboy and probably just said, that's <laughs> Jim Brown. But I got to, I was sitting in, a, they didn't really have a green room because the whole thing was kind of an open area in Phoenix, but they had a couple couches. And on the uh, couch next to mine was Luke Keithley, linebacker for Carolina Panthers, which at the time he was probably the best inside linebacker in the NFL. Obviously, I'm an IDP guy, love defense. I'm like, oh my God, that's Luke Keithley. We probably sat there and talked for about 10, 15 minutes while we were waiting to go on our respective radio spot. And I just, I couldn't believe that. And after I did the spot with Bob and I'm still wandering around Radio Row, it's just one of those moments where it hits you. You're like, I can't believe I'm doing this. This, I, you know, I can't believe this is my life. Vegas was the same way. You know, I had a little bit of that same flash, the first Kings Classic when I'm in this glass room at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, drafting a team with, you know, the 
some of the best analysts in the fantasy football industry. You know, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, what am I doing here? They, these people do realize who I am, right? That's why anytime someone walks up to me, and they're like, oh my God, are you Gary Davenport? I, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm one, I'm worried it's a process server and I've done something wrong. <laughs> and two, it always just blows my mind that people are impressed with my work and that they're a fan of my work and that meeting me would be some kind of a big deal for them. So that's, I, you know, when I talk about something that's blown me away about these last 15 years, especially the last decade or so, all of it, <laughs> I can't believe that I do this for a living. I mean, I'm yeah. the luckiest guy in the world. You know, they say if you do, if you get to do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And it's true. I mean, and yeah, those 90, 95 hour weeks during football season, I don't mind that, which is crazy. I mean, granted, I get tired. And by the time February rolls around or, you know, January, fantasy season kind of winds down in January, but then the NFL playoffs start. By the time that time of year rolls around, I am, I'm exhausted. I'm glad when fantasy season that week 17 ends and 90% of leagues are over, I kind of take a breath. I'm like, oh, thank God. Three weeks later, I'm bored out of my skull and I want to get after it again because I just love what I do so much. So, I mean, I'm, when I get done talking to you, I've got an article to wrap up for Bleacher Report. Then I got to run to the store and come back and work on some stuff for a magazine. Then tomorrow I got to work on stuff for another magazine. And that's pretty much every day for me, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine going back to the, when Scott Fish and I started Oasis, we were both working third shift jobs. He was a Pepsi truck driver and I was stocking dairy shelves. And I, he had a much better job than I did. And I think he actually liked his job. I hated mine, <laughs> hated it with, I hated the, just everything about it with a passion. So to be able to go from doing that to doing this and be able to make, you know, I'm not John D. Rockefeller, but I do okay. It's such a blessing. And I think it's made me a much happier person over the last 10, 15 years. And I'm just, I'm grateful beyond words. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful for everyone who takes the time to actually read my work. I appreciate any time that someone hits me up on Twitter or sends me an email or something and says, hey, man, I really enjoyed that article. That matters to me. It really right. does. You know, that people enjoy my work. So it's, I could go on about that forever. It's being, I'm just, I'm blown away that this is my life and it's my job. And i luckiest guy in the world. So some days it's better to be lucky than good. What can I say? <laughs> well, it's so rad to see people that are in full-time jobs with fantasy football and to see people enjoy their jobs. And like, you know, you enjoy working like, yeah, you have to work, but like, it's something that you enjoy doing. And as a person who works at a job, that's okay. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's nice <laughs> to see, it's nice to see uh, people, you know, get to really enjoy. And, and that's why I try to like, at least have fun with it outside of work, you know, have fun with fantasy football and put all my time into all of that. And I mean, you podcast too, you go on people's podcasts, you guest with people, you talk IDP with tons and tons and tons of people going on podcast and talking, like how comfortable are you with that? And had you ever done any kind of recording prior to getting involved with fantasy football content? Not, not before getting involved in fantasy football. And when I first started podcasting with Greg Kellogg, which, oh, wow, that would have been probably 2011, 2012, I was nervous. 
and it showed, I'm sure, in the first couple shows that I did. And it's still, I mean, now that there's more video involved in it, that has been kind of another adjustment period for me because I've always felt like I have a face for radio. But it's another thing, much like writing, you just, you get better by doing it. Mm-hmm. You get more comfortable by doing it. The first few times, you know, it, you may not do your best work. <laughs> it may be, it, there may be a few bumps in the road, but that's okay. Just keep going, keep practicing and you will improve. And I'm always, you know, if I, if I'm available to do it and someone reaches out to me about doing a podcast or being on their show, I will probably, if I can, if it's in my schedule, the time is there, I'll do it because I, I enjoy talking about fantasy football. I enjoy getting to know people in the industry a little bit better. And if I can help, you know, people put together a little bit of content, get their podcast out there. So be it. again, it's all about helping one another, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I'm great at this. And stuff like the, the backdrop I just did a few weeks ago. I need to get better lighting. I could probably have a better setup. But And I do, I'll freely admit, I don't enjoy doing this as much as I do writing. Writing is yeah. my thing. I'm a writer. But it, it's fun. It's fine. It's great. And I'm, I've, I've been doing more and more because Bob Harris has talked about, I know they're doing more video work at Football Diehards. And he asked, you know, would you be willing maybe to get a little more involved in that? And I said the same thing that I normally say, which, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I, I do. I have a problem saying no. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a common theme on this the podcast. Well, everybody has a hard time saying no. <laughs> Just, Someone, hey, can you do this more. article for us? Sure. sure. Hey, can you join this league? Why not? Hey, you want to be on this podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, why not? Do you have a specific thing that you like writing about more than anything else, like a topic, a specific position or strategy? Is there something that you really enjoy writing about over other stuff? You know, IDP is probably my truest love because that's where I started. But, you know, I enjoy enjoy just writing about the NFL itself. I enjoy writing about, you know, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, whatever. But IDP kind of got me where I was. And I chose IDP. When I decided to, when we started Fantasy Football Oasis, I decided to focus on IDP for two reasons. One, I love IDP. That's easy mm-hmm. enough. But two, at the time, there were not that many IDP resources out there. So I figured, selfishly, that it might be a little easier to establish myself and get noticed in the industry if I was a little bit of a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And it, hey, it worked. Yeah. Now, I mean, I look at where the IDP space is now as compared to 2009. And again, it's another thing that blows me away. There are so many more, not just content creators, but great content creators than there were 10, 15 years ago. And I mean, some of the old guards, some some of the OGs are still around. John Norton, a football guy. So I'm proud to be able to call him a colleague now. And uh, Brian Seitzman has been doing it forever. Uh, Mike Woller over four for four. But there are so many more new names coming in, you know, like uh, Jorge Edwards at Fantasy Info. I just did his podcast a couple of days ago. Um, Nate Markham. I mean, I, I, if I start rattling off names, yeah. I'm going to feel bad because I leave somebody out. But it's been fantastic to see the IDP community grow the way it has. And I always told myself, because there are some IDP writers that I respect who did IDP back in the day and don't anymore for whatever reason. And I understand that IDP is a niche and it's always going to be one. I mean, the IDP community constantly talks about how can we grow? How can we be as big as the offensive side? 
the reality is it's probably never going to happen. Yeah. But I always told myself, no matter what, I was I wasn't Lee. I was always going to set some time aside to write about IDP, and I always will. That's I take the whole Godfather of IDP thing. I kind of feel like now I'm kind of like a caretaker of the community. Yeah. Like, but they're not that they're my kids, but I want the community to thrive, and I want to right. do what I can to help it. And so that's what I do. And I'll be there's an IDP panel at the expo on Sunday this year. And I will be, for some reason, they decided it would be a good idea if I emceed it. So that's yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no chance that ends badly, but if nothing else, it should be interesting. Okay. Well, we'll have to check that out. Uh, the panels at the expo are very informative and very awesome. And it's, it's cool to see a bunch of people up there and not know everybody that's talking and kind of learning about more analysts and who oh i need to check this person's work out and this person seems like they really know what they're talking about so it'll be fun to see you MC that i i look forward to it so <laughs> before we go i know that you don't have a whole lot of time outside of putting out fantasy football content but you do set aside some time and but what do you like to do when you aren't doing fantasy football content like what kind of hobbies or things that you do with the family that you enjoy doing you know i like to cook you know when i'm hanging out with a family it's pretty much just what do they want to do i mean do you, if they want to go to the zoo that's great if they want to go to the park that's great I just enjoy spending time with them. Other than that, what little spare time I have is probably spent. I bought a house in, yeah, it would have been 2020. Right about time pandemic, everything just exploded yep. and the world shut down. Yep. I decided, hey, let's buy a house and move all our stuff. Yep. That won't be difficult <laughs> at all. So I probably spend most of my free time that I, if I'm not hanging out with the family, I'm painting a wall or trying to fix something or on the phone with a repairman who knows better how to fix it than I do <laughs> or mowing the grass, which I actually kind of, enjoy. I'm not going to lie. I, I would enjoy it more if I had a riding mower, but I kind of enjoy mowing the glass. There's just something kind of Zen right. about the sound of the mower and just the pattern of just repeating it over and over and over again that it helps me to relax. Well, you can come to Texas when the heat's 110 and, and mow my yard. <laughs> I, spent, <laughs> I spent 17 years living in Mesa, Arizona. So I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Arizona, man. I'm going to Arizona next month, I think. So, oh, really? Yeah. Me too. <laughs> my wife. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, my wife went out to school out there and one of her friends was kids are having birthdays you know kids are having yeah. birthdays woo but yeah so um, you're going out there too <laughs> yeah i'm flying out uh middle of june to spend some spend a week with family because now my mom's there yeah because as she got older and you know reached a point where she needed you know kind of full-time care my sister had her moving with her so my sister's there my nieces and nephews i mean family-wise we're all from ohio now i'm the only one that's left and abandoned me here but i'm gonna go spend a week with them which would be awesome and I'm going to do my level best that week. I'm sure there will be a little bit of work I'll have to do, but I'm going to do my level best that week. Fantasy football is just going to kind of have to get shoved to the back burner and I'm going to spend time with my family, except again, except for the 
little bit of time where I'm like, okay, I have to write this one article. <laughs> Just give me a second. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm up <sighs> in a draft, but I'll be right back. Right. Oh my gosh. That's the worst. They're like, really? Why are you drafting right now? <laughs> like, because I'm up. Because hello. It's not like the time doesn't hold stop up for me. <laughs> if I hold up the slow draft, everyone will yell at me. Oh yes. Yes. You'll hear about it. You're on the clock. You've got seven hours left to draft. <laughs> like, uh, I always, I always tell people and Scott Fishbowl is one where this happens Twitter will explode with these. Yeah. Don't worry about the clock so much. Just take a breath. Yeah. Especially if someone's only been on the clock for an hour and a half. It's okay. You know, yeah. maybe they got something going on. Maybe they're right. at a doctor's appointment. You don't have to blow up their Twitter video, man. You're up. Hey, you're up. Hey, you're dude, up, you're, you're up. up. Now, if they're down to where they've only got an hour and a half yeah. left, then you say, hey, man, you're yeah. going to time out in an hour or whatever. But people get wild about this. It's Unlike called dude. a slow draft. It's called a slow draft for a reason, man. It's a slow draft. Yeah, I I remember being that person when I first started playing fantasy football. That was like, oh my god, I need to draft now. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And now you're like, I don't. You know what? Cool. And when this draft's over, then what do I have to look forward to? Exactly. exactly. I have to wait for another draft to come around. Like, I don't have time for that. Let me do that. So, yeah, totally, totally feel that. Oh, and we'd wait till August when there's when, you know you got. 13 drafts going at the same time and you can't keep track. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Fun time. So, so, okay, Gary, it's been a blast talking with you. I'm really glad that I got to sit down and have this chat with you. I learned a lot. And for people that are listening, where can they find your work? I know we've talked about it, but where can we find your work and where can they follow you? What's going on? Uh, I'm on Twitter at IDP sharks. I'm a senior staff writer at fantasy sharks. Uh, Contributing author and associate editor at Football Diehards, IDP writer at Football Guys. Uh, I contribute some stuff at The Athletic, although I don't know if I do enough there to merit a title. I'm an IDP writer at NBC Sports Edge. I've been there, oh, I don't know, it's probably almost 10, might be 10 years. I've been at NBC Sports Edge for since it was Roto World in the olden days. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm all over. And every time I start rattling off all the places that I work, I wind up leaving somebody out. I feel bad. So just follow me on Twitter at IDP Sharks. And I always post links to all the, like, I didn't even mention Bleacher Report and they pay me most of (laughs) my, I make most of my living at Bleacher Report as an NFL analyst and fantasy football analyst. So I should probably throw that in there. Go to Bleacher Report. It's a great sports site. Please guys don't fire me. I love you. So (laughs) Again, just follow me on Twitter at IDP Sharks, and then I'll post links to everything there and ramble on incessantly. And I try, you know, it's hard sometimes with the the draft questions and the the start sit questions, especially when they throw a match at forty five minutes before kickoff on Sunday. Yeah, but I try to reply to just about every tweet that I can when people hit me. I try to be social on social media. I'm not great at Twitter. I'm not going to lie. There are plenty of people who are better at it than I am. But I do try to interact with people who take the time to shoot me a message. So definitely go check out Gary's work and go follow him on Twitter. And also make sure to come back next time for another episode of Get Real with Casey Kasem. And remember to stay rad.